Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the New Town Theatre. Please welcome man. I can't believe he's still at the Edinburgh Fringe. Just this, this can't still be going on. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> you know I love it. You know I love it. Hello there. Uh, look, usually there's two pages of notes for the opening monologue. Got half a page. Let's see. Let's see how we go. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Edinburgh. Love to see you. Welcome. This is a podcast recording. I hope you'll enjoy it. Welcome to Richard Herring's Ladybird Swarming Terrifyingly podcast. Um, it's all about the 1976 uh, Ladybirds. I've changed direction. Sorry if you've listened to the podcast before. I just got a bit bored of interviewing comedians. So I thought I would talk to Ladybird experts about the famous 1976 Ladybird invasion. I was caught up in it myself. <laughs> it was good. I once got off with a girl because I knew about it. it was, she was a Ladybird expert. I'd like to meet her again. Actually, no, I'm, I'm married now. I, we, you can't go back, Liam. You can't go back. She was lovely. Hey, Lucy, hope you're all right. Um, happy, happy days. Ah, oh, sorry. My, my internal monologue's just started, it's my, it's, it's started leaking out. Uh, okay, but uh, I was talking to the amazing Bubble Man. Oh, fuck, man, that is a cool show. That is a great show. If you've got kids, if you haven't got kids, go as well. Uh, it's, um, he's, he can do incredible things with bubbles. He's the coolest man in the world. He calls it Rahalastabas. I don't know if that's going to... It is an amazing thing to see a man who's made a living just blowing bubbles. I mean, he does, it's more than just blowing bubbles, but it's... A, Richard Osmond would blow his shit if he saw how much merchandise that man was selling. I, I spent £20 on two little bubble flutes and some bubble, bu- bubble stuff afterwards and I want him to have that money because he's amazing he can he can cover you in bubbles he can send bubbles up to the ceiling with smoke in them it's the most but like imagine going back a thousand years and telling people yeah in the future a man will become a billionaire because he can blow some bits of soap around how furious you'd be wouldn't you you're tilling the fields clearing the stones and there's just a man so good luck to you. I hope he has made a lot of money. I'm not sure he has, but I hope he, do, hope he will. Uh, Joe the Joker, the Fringe, has caused some controversy. Um, hey, having a joke at the Fringe competition is a stupid thing. That's the initial controversy. Have a joke competition at any other time. The Edinburgh Fringe is the sort of antithesis of what is the best joke here. But uh, uh, Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny comedian, has done a joke about... Uh, uh, well, it's, it's something like broccoli, cauliflower. Oh, I keep just shouting out random vegetables. I think I've got florets. That is the joke. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, most of them will get a growth. But he's, he's in trouble with uh, the Tourette's uh, syndrome people. <laughs> because he's mocking Tourette's. But, like, it's true. Like, it's, it, it's just a simple pun. I can, say, I can see both sides of this story. But also, if it upsets people, it's just a stupid pun. Why fucking bother with it? That's, uh, but I'm glad to see Dave getting some kickbacks <laughs> and their, their attempts <laughs> to get some publicity going, going wrong. Both sides of the story. I can see both. We should be able to joke about anything. But, you know, if you're just doing a load of shit, <laughs> just making wordplay, do wordplay about something else. Make it about clarets instead. That, I'd love that joke. I keep on eating broccoli to, to try and get my bad breath to go away. I think I've got clarets. I mean, you don't have to explain what clarets were to anyone under 50. It's a much better joke as a result. And I won't respect the joke competition until what does a, where does a bird leave its sexual organs when it goes to a nightclub in the cloaca room? Until that wins, when that wins, then we'll know the best jokes. Anyway, let's crack on. Contro- some people, con- controversial, controversial, that uh, joke about cauliflower. Uh, so, the cauliflower manufacturers are terrible. Ian Cauliflower is very upset. <laughs> My first guest today is probably best known for working at the bar at the Up the Creek Comedy Club. That's where you've seen him. He's moved on from there a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rich Wilson! Hello, everyone. It's Rich Wilson. Hey. I don't believe it. <laughs> to be honest, it's only today I realised you had the same name as Richard Wilson. That's right, yeah. I don't believe it. That's why I changed it to Rich. Yeah, Shortened it to Rich. Bamboozled everybody. There are a lot of Rich Wilsons, though. Even I, I, IMDb. I'm not sure you're even on there. I couldn't find you on IMDb. <laughs> on there, no. Hence the barman thing, which we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, are you ever confused with the production assistant 
from uh, Bruce Springsteen's video Dancing in the Dark, Rich Wilson. Constantly, yeah. constantly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of art do it. Are you ever confused with the guy who raced around, who did the show Racing Around the World, Rich Wilson? Uh, the, the yachting guy? Yeah. Yeah, I do know of him. No, I've not Googled myself, thank okay. you. Are you ever confused with the still photographer on whatever? Uh, and also the executive chef on Hotel Hell. Uh, no. There's loads of rituals. There's loads, isn't it? There I, think, is I think there's a lounge singer, stroke comedian out in America that's got my name as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's smashing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Based off you, but off the back of you. It is quite an interesting uh, journey into comedy because you were working at the, the bar in Up, up the Creek, which is like an amazing venue in it South is. London. Yes. Um, exactly Malcolm it. Hardy uh, set it up. That's it. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's a kind of renowned play with the Tunnel Club. And then were you, were you involved at the Tunnel Club? Were you no, no, I was later on. Time, I, yeah. I, I got there in, I was there 2001, I yeah, started there. Like Malcolm Hardy was still doing the, uh, it was still doing the Sunday nights. Yeah. There's all the weird and wonderful acts like the bastard son of Tommy Cooper, who should nail his bits to planks of wood. Yeah. I don't know if his dad would have approved of that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And you I, were working behind the bar? I was working behind the bar, and comedians would come through. A comedian called Rob Rouse came through, and he said, I think you could do this. I think you're funny. So, uh, I gave it a bash. Yeah, Rob, yeah, who, was a, who was a guest on the show quite recently, yeah. tried to make me like my own farts. Don't do what Rob, <laughs> don't do what Rob Rouse tells you to do. It's my advice, but you did. <laughs> I'm not going to do other people's material. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you, I've seen you. I'm, I'm a big fan of your as a club comedian. I think thank you're you. like an, the, one of the absolute top oh, club comedians. But I, what I'm very excited to see is you've branched out and come to Edinburgh, which a lot of the guys, yes. especially the middle-aged guys, and. I think we can both safely call ourselves so. middle-aged. Now. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm kind of yeah. suspicious of coming to Edinburgh and or, or dubious about the whole Edinburgh fringe, but you've sort of embraced it, haven't you? I think, yeah. I think because I'm my partner is Jade Adams. Who, I don't know if you know her. She's um, she's at the Pleasants, yeah. and we've been going out for a few years now. And then she was like, you know, come to Edinburgh. And uh, by the way, because I'm smashing it, you have to smash it as well. <laughs> so I can't really chill out and go. Oh, I'm just going to do bits and pieces. I have to really go go at it. She's quite the quite the force yeah so I have to embrace it or go home yeah well, that's good but you know but it's also good to see I think there's a and there's a few uh, comedians like the, you know the, the more um, it's, I don't it's, the more kind of set in their ways I'm doing the clubs and that's it and there's yeah. a few of them have made that transition to either come to Edinburgh or do write Radio 4 shows yes. and they, well, they work because you've got to be a really funny person oh, to, absolutely. to work yeah. again and again in those clubs and I've done gigs with you and I'm not a great uh, 20 minute in a club <laughs> comedian and so you do gigs with someone like you go fuck that's how you do this this is such a, right. such a it's such a difficult thing but a lot of those guys could stretch out and do the to do the full hour oh absolutely absolutely what I've learned doing Edinburgh is that what I'm actually doing is just stretching out my 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just do like, just chat a bit more to you I was like hey where you from alright nice hair and just yeah, yeah, but I tell you what though, what what I have learned from doing the clubs, because I've learned, I've been in some of the some of the really awful clubs where everyone's drunk and, and there's stags and hens and and it's very combative. So I've found that coming up to Edinburgh, I have certain skills now, but sometimes I forget that this is a liberal liberal arts festival. Yeah, and I come out and go, oh Wayne, because what's going on? Like, nah, man, it's half one in the afternoon. Chill out, mate. <laughs> So you've got to find your balance, but I think I found it. Yeah, yeah. yeah these people need to be told they're wankers. Yeah, they I think so. To, they need to I'm learn. looking out now. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few. There are a few. Madam, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you're doing the, the podcast as well, which is, again, coming to podcasting is, you know, I think a lot, a lot of comics just think, oh, well, I'm doing what I'm doing. But yes. to realise that there's that audience there for you. I think a lot of people have realised, again, a lot of the Edinburgh comics have realised, if you do a podcast, yes. you come to Edinburgh and you don't actually need to have done any telly or... No, telly, no. And you've got that audience there ready for you to go. So what, you've been in your podcast, just did it start this year? Or yeah, yeah, we started this year. So it's going about five months, six yeah. months now. And it was, it was, I think it's like 40,000 downloads. Yeah. It's called Insane in the Membrane. And it's talking about men's mental health. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's alright it's fun we do talk about fun things although we were talking about suicide one episode and, right. and laughing at the same time and I got a few messages going um, are you alright 
Like, yeah, fine, we have to talk about these things. So there's a fun way of doing it, you know? Yeah. So well, that's I think but that's, you know, men do need to talk about stuff and men are bad at talking about oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and there's two ways to go. One is to go when's International Men's Day on Twitter. Oh, I love that. Time. I absolutely <laughs> love that. I look forward to that day. Because we, get, we get messages going, herrings out. You know, <laughs> But the other way is to kind of try and sort it out because men do need... I think men are a bit confused about what their role is in the world and yeah. it's very easy to go the other... You know, it's very easy to go the other way and go, right, I'm going to be a men's right activist. Yeah. But actually, you know, equality and all those things and talking and taking care of yourself and, and moving with the times is actually a much healthier thing. Absolutely. But I think the next generation will be the ones that are a bit more open. Yeah. Like we're, we're sort of like the first generation of of men to be start to start talking about these things and even now it's still very difficult yeah. you know i mean you know when men f first meet each other once they've finished talking about football that's it really they don't know what else to do you know and, it, and it, i don't follow football so a lot yeah. of men don't know how to talk to me <laughs> they're like what's your team i don't follow football all right bye and then <laughs> just sitting on my own chain <laughs> so but i think yeah. that's it's you know it's especially powerful when it comes yeah, ricky grover does a great podcast as well he does yes similar and it's a similar thing, I think, you know, in terms of that's a guy you wouldn't expect to open up. And Ricky's an absolute well, this, sweetheart. Yeah, uh, Ricky Grover, I don't know if you know him, he's a lovely guy. He's, he was a bare-knuckle fighter yeah. when, he was, when he was younger. He's a, he was from the travelling community, and so now he's talking about crying. <laughs> it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. Yeah. But it's like someone that sounds like me, you know, I'm, I'm a working-class man. Yeah. People don't ask my advice. They just ask if I can get them stuff. <laughs> so me talking about, you know, feelings is quite... I think people can... People do connect to it, you know. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think, you know. doing great, great work, and I think it is important. And, and I think that's another thing that I, that I think, that I like about you, because when I started doing stand-up, there was all sorts of guys from all sorts of backgrounds. I, I love that kind of. Yes. The, it was a level playing field, and there were guys from the docks, and there were guys. For, that's when it. I went to Adelaide in '97, you had like people like parrots. Uh, is this Scottish Oh, wow, well, yeah, yeah, parrot, man. Uh, yeah, and, But then you had someone like Ivor Dembina, who was a bank manager, you know, and, oh, was, yeah, and you're yeah. all on the, the, the exact same level. But there were a lot more working-class voices within the stand-up community. Yes. And I just don't think that happens. Well, because it's so hard to afford to live. Well, it is. I think that's what someone said to me recently. It used to be a working-class... Um, it was a working-class job, mm. but now it's come a, become a middle-class hobby. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it is expensive up here. You know, I mean, it costs it costs thousands. Yeah. I mean, I'm got to be honest. My my missus did an advert, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm washing her underwear because it's to pay her back. So yeah, I wouldn't be here otherwise. But um, yeah, it's a, it's. I tell you what, is I, I I've done the free fringe for the, when I first started coming up. I was doing the free fringe, and it's fine. And you get to do gigs and things like that. But this is my first time I've done paid. And it's, and it's such a, it is really different. People actually, you know, the industry takes notice of you. Yeah. You know, I'm here, and I've got to tell you how surreal this is. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but I grew up watching, watching Lee and Herring, and now I'm sitting here, and in my head, I'm just going like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible that someone who looks as old and fucked as you could have grown up watching me. No, that's I know. The, yeah, yeah. The... As I said it, as I said it, I'm like, we were about a year or so out from each other. It wasn't like I was three years old. Oh, one day I want to be like the grown-ups. I was very young when I was on TV. I was very, <laughs> very... Well, what were you? You were 11. I, I, was, I was seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was something along those lines. As but it the... came out, I, I realised as it came out, I'm like, we're about the same age. <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me. It's no, it's all right. Fuck off. Uh, not publicising it. Tell me about some of the, You've done other jobs first as well, which, again, I think is a thing that a lot of comedians haven't done, so that gives you this grounding to... Have some stories as well. You worked in a. Uh, you you tried yes. to tell Basil Brushhouse about this apparently. Basil about, Brush about working. Who's doing a chat show as well? A puppet can do my job. Um, he. Uh, you used to work in a gay sauna. I did so work in came. a gay sauna, and Basil Brush, of all things, <laughs> he said. So what went on in the gay sauna? I'm not telling Basil Brush. <laughs> The things I've seen. Will you tell me? I will tell yeah, you. Good, I, I don't know if this is a bit early. I'll tell, actually, I'll tell you this because there's a nice bit that happened in my show. So I tell this story that I end up working in a gay sauna. And, you know, because your sexuality is irrelevant, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as you, whatever you want to make love to is old enough, willing or inanimate, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> and that's how I've lived my life. So I ended up, my friend got me the job. And I had kids very young, so I've done all manner of jobs. And my, start, my friend got me the job. And uh, as he was leaving, he said, don't tell him that you're straight. So I had to pretend that I was gay 
in this environment. I had to make up this whole ridiculous story. Became friends with one of the guys in there, and then one day he said, I want to spend the night with you. And I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do now? I need the job, need the money, what am I doing? I panicked, right? And I said, you can, I said, you can, you can, um, you can, <laughs> I don't want to say what I actually say in the show. <laughs> you can say, you can say anything you like say, this. I said, and I panicked, and I'm really sorry, right? But I said, you can nosh me off for a hundred quid. Now, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not proud of that, Rich. I panicked. Please don't let me explain what nosh means. <laughs> so I told this story, and then, it, it, then the, the guy used to come in, and he'd, he'd be like, oh, if I had a hundred quid, I'm like, I know, I know. And then one day he came in with a hundred quid. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up in a cupboard. Because <laughs> I just needed the money, I, was, didn't, I needed the job. So I ended up in this cupboard with this, with this dude. And then, well, long story short, right, it was the easiest 200 quid. <laughs> 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 We did it twice, man. We did it twice. <laughs> I'm not even gay. I think about him sometimes. I wonder what he's doing now. He had skills, man. He had yeah. skills. <laughs> but what happened in the show, I was telling that story, and there were two girls in the front, and they were really laughing. Like, prop, too much. As yeah. a comedian, as you know, sometimes if someone's laughing, you kind of go, are you, what are you laughing at? Which is weird for a comedian to say, <laughs> right? The minimum you want is laughter. And they were laughing really, they were laughing a lot. And I told the story, everyone laughed, it was all fine. Then I started telling so, uh, stories about my sons, my two sons, and they lost their minds. They <laughs> went crazy. To the point I went, what are you laughing at? And she said, I'm friends with your youngest son. <laughs> <laughs> so, now I'm like, so now I'm like, oh no, because I'm talking about being open and, yeah. and honest and things like that in the show. It's all about be yourself. If you've been a bit shit, don't worry. You can, you can, you can redeem yourself and all that. But I don't know if I wanted my son to know that story. <laughs> <laughs> not because he's, you know, I'm a friend, but he's no. dad. Yeah, right? it's a weird thing to it's find out. It's a weird thing to find out about if your dad. If my dad had done that, I'd be, I'd be a little shocked. It'd be odd, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is oh, your dad, are you like your dad? I imagine <laughs> no, that would be. My dad's very straight-laced uh, ex-headmaster, so... He's been with my mum since he was 13 years old. Oh, so, wow. Okay. So uh, I'd be very... 70 years they've been together. I think they've, been, you know, they've got a telegram from the Queen. They've been married for 60 years. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so if he had... Uh, Imagine that now. stuck you someone off for 100 quid, I'd be quite surprised. <laughs> but, you know, impressed he's got, as well. He's got, to boost his, yeah, he's got to boost his pension somehow. <laughs> but I text my son after... Because she said, I won't say anything. I'm like, I bet you do. And so I text my son... His name's Bailey, and I said, Bailey, how's it going, man? And he went, yeah, yeah, it's cool, Dad, all cool. Um, I hear you have my friends in your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. And uh, I went, he went, yeah, apparently you tell a story that you've never told me, Dad. Went, yeah, so we need to have a chat when I come back. And he went, we certainly do, gay boy. <laughs> at least it's out in the open, isn't it? At least it's out now. You know. Yeah, it's weird. My, my kids are so young, and like someone was saying, I think Josie uh, Long was saying, you know, when I'll, I'm slagging my kids off in here and pretending that I, you know, would rather they weren't here. Uh, like, you know, when I here, I mean in, in the world. Uh, and <laughs> and going, what, what, you know, what if they listen to these podcasts in 20 years' time? But that, you know, you've been very open about uh, your talk about being a raver in the yes. in the 80s yes. and 90s. Yeah. And so that must be that difficult as a dad if you you you, you know you've got to be honest with your yes. kids about drugs and stuff. Oh man, yeah, well what's funny, what's interesting is that my lads have gone the other way. They've heard my stories and I've said to them before, so would you want to go out and have a drink and that? no not really. Well I don't know whether they don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> or they just not they don't I mean the the generation now they don't they don't seem to be they're not they're not they're not getting out there like we used to, no, like in yeah. dancing in fields. I mean, when I look back, I'm like, oh God, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. But yeah. the kids don't seem to be doing it. They have, you know, they have coffee meetings and, and they all talk about avocados and, <laughs> and they're all nice. They have yeah. a nice time. They must be doing something secret. We'll find out when, we'll they, find do out, their, yeah, yeah. when they do their stand-up shows in 30 years' time. <laughs> You're still alive. It will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I was, blimey, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I was described in my show the other day as being terrifyingly honest. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay, which is unusual, which is, I thought that was quite unusual because I've been a lying sack of shit most of my life. <laughs> so there you go. Even now, I'm being too honest. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of, but that's what I love about stand up is that when you do share the stuff, because you wouldn't, you know, that's a story you would go, God, I'll keep that to myself for my whole life. Yeah. For people to know. And when you share it, you find out, A, either people will find it funny or don't mind, or B, that they'll go, oh, yeah, I've done something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, was, I, I tell you what, because when I first met Jade, and I, she said, have you ever done anything, you know, sexually, you know, out there? And I went, oh, well, there was this one time, this guy kind of touched my penis 
for, for 100 pounds. She was like, he touched it. I went, yeah, yeah, he just touched it. He just touched it. <laughs> and I was watching uh, comedian Sophie Whelan. Yeah. And she, I was watching her show, and she was talking about being a sex worker. And, and the, I mean, this was in the Soho Theatre in London, and everyone was collapsing and having a great time. I was laughing. I'm like, oh, there is humour in that. Yeah. There is in that. And I leant over to Jade, and I went, well, know that story? And she went, yeah. And I went, I said, he, he, he sucked it. And she just <laughs> went, she went, really? You told me he touched it? I went, yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Even now, she's not, she thinks there's more to the story. I'm like, yeah. I'm not a hero. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It will come out. We'll see what comes out next. Well, next show. Uh, next yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's. I mean, the honesty is a, a, a great thing, and you know, it, it is. It's it's great to see. Um, you know, I think the change in what I've seen. Your, uh, what I've seen of your stuff. Mm, that is. Yeah. That, that's a that's a big leap to make. To to. A coming to Edinburgh and B be doing stuff like that. Well, it's, it's, it's been, watching people like Mark Maron yeah. and some of the American comics that just they're very brutally honest, and I just thought, well, they they seem very similar to me. Like they've lived the life. Like I got into comedy when I was thirty-two, so I've lived the life before yeah. comedy. So I do see this as a privilege. And me coming up in front of everybody and sitting with you is like, wow, man, this is this is extra. You know, it's it's not. It, it, and so. I, yeah, I think I, I, I think I, I, there, I can find humour in all the shitty things I've done, yeah. all the odd things and the weird things, and, and it's nice because I get people going, yeah, I've done, yeah, I've done that. I was on ecstasy, and <laughs> me and John did a thing, and yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but increasingly, the world people are trying to hide, you know, are trying to hide away what they've done. We're trying to, you've got to live these perfect lives where you've yeah. never made mistakes, and I think that's, you know, everyone's made mistakes. Everyone's Everybody. done stupid things. This is it. That they, you know. Yeah, this is why we did the podcast, you yeah. see, because just to let, because sometimes we all get intrusive thoughts, we all get weird thoughts. That's how your brain works. Like if, I use this example a lot. If you, if someone gives you a baby, you might get a thought. You go, oh, I'm going to punt this over the shed, but you don't do it. <laughs> you know, that's the animal side of your brain. Because the other brain, just, the other bit of your brain goes, no, don't do that. This is what we, we look after these. And this all goes on in like seconds, split seconds, and we all have these weird thoughts. And from doing the podcast, I get messages all the time. People go, yeah, yeah, I get weird thoughts like that. But it's, this, it's trying to remove the stigma. Yeah. It's like human beings are weird. We're all weird. We shouldn't even be here. It's a weird thing that we exist. You know what I mean? So, you know, just embrace the weirdness. And do you think comedians, a lot of comedians are talking about mental health issues yeah. now. Do you think comedians are, have more problems or are they just that they're talking about it? Or you... Absolutely, comedians are mad. Yeah. Why would we do this? <laughs> Why? Who in their right mind would need to stand in front of strangers and say, please love me? This is what we're doing, essentially. I mean, it's going to be quiet now, Rich. It's <laughs> all right. I feel I've lost them. Maybe I've been too honest for this time of the day. It's no, you like, they like it when it gets serious. It's good. They like, they like it when it's serious. That's the other thing as well, doing podcasts and, and interview things. I'm, I'm new to this, so... Yeah. I, I'm used to gigs. So if I'm stood in front of people, my natural reaction is to try and make you laugh. If you don't laugh, I feel like I've had a terrible time. So, <laughs> thanks for me. that. Look at that. They didn't even laugh then. Just they didn't that's, even that's, laugh how much, then. that's how much they hate you. They want not you to go off feeling bad. Not even a sympathy <laughs> laugh, Rich. <laughs> not even that. Oh, I don't feel bad, Rich. <laughs> oh, no. bless you. They went, no, you're a no. dickhead. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, tell us about your show before I forget to ask about the details of that. So, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, Death Becomes. It's called Death Becomes Him, and it's basically. I thought it was way back in, I don't know when it is, it's in the end, end, of last, end, of, end of the year, they sort of say to you, right, you want to put your show in, you've got to tell us what it's about. And you haven't even written it yet. So I call it Death Becomes Him. It's quite, quite funny. You see a lot of shows up here, people talking about dead relatives and things like that. And I thought it'd be quite funny if I talk about a show where I'm dead. I'm the dead one, right? And that's funny for 30 seconds. <laughs> and then I had to write a whole show about it. But now it's become, it's me assessing, reassessing my life to see where I would go based on the things that I've done. Would I go to heaven? Would I go to hell? Mm -hmm. You know, do I believe in heaven and hell? Or do I, would I just, then, would I come back as something else? So it's just, yeah. I, tell the, I tell the stories like I've told just now. And, it's, and, then at the end, it's, and I've added some theatrics because it's Edinburgh. Yeah. Well, it's funny actually. I've got this, this, at the end of the show, I say a certain line and then uh, the, the, the tech person knows to press the button and all these lights come on, it becomes like heavenly, like heavenly noises. <laughs> I had two people in on the first day from Lincoln and they were sat right in the middle. And I know, as I was getting to the line, I'm like, oh God. And I said the line and all the lights come up and just these two people from Lincoln just like going like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I'd been behind them, see them in silhouette, just watching <laughs> this like, like Jean-Michel Jarre thing going on there like that. 
this is a bit much, isn't it, Gladys? You know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, 4.30 in the, in the wee room in the Gilded Balloon. Uh, I'm on every day this week, so please come along and uh, it'll be lovely to see you. I'll just quickly ask you a couple of emergency questions so people will be upset. This is the question I'm enjoying asking this fringe, is if you could have one, if you could take home one item from any art gallery or museum or anything in the world, you could say that's yours, what one thing would you take home with you? If you were allowed anything, it could be any kind of museum, any kind of art. I saw in the Tate Modern, yeah. it was a single bed, and it was, but it was made out of the metal that they make um, uh, service hole covers in the road. Okay, yeah. So it had the writing on it and all that, it was one of that. and I'd love to have that. Okay. And just put it in the spare room. <laughs> yeah. And then when people stay over, go, no, you're up there. <laughs> and see how long it takes you to come and say, do you have anything else? <laughs> There was that. Yeah, yeah, I'd have that. Good. Uh, and um, what this this is this is quite a hard question. I don't know how I'd answer this, and I don't know why I came up with it. But uh, I'm going to. You don't know it. how you'd answer. I it. I don't know how I'd answer, it, and usually I have the answer to these myself. That's why. What is the least impressive thing you can spend a lot of money on? That people spend a lot of money on that is actually because mostly people like flamboyantly spending money, mm. and you get something good out of it. What's yeah. the shittest thing you can spend a lot of money? Shittest thing you can spend. Oh blimey! Yeah, it's quite hard. That's a hard one, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. I've spent having kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent a lot of money on some yeah. absolute shit. <laughs> Pokemon cards when oh they God, came out. Yeah. yeah, they came out and they were like ten quid a packet. And I remember saying to my son, "No," and he ended up with a whole folder full of them. Yeah. No idea where they've gone. No idea. <laughs> but they're in the world somewhere. They yeah. haven't floated away. Apps as well for games, or the, yeah. the, the add-ons for games. Uh, my son, like with the with the PlayStations and things like that. That's like right, granddad there with the PlayStation <laughs> thing. When they go, oh yeah, I need an app for that, and they go, how much is that? And they go, it's twenty quid. But there's yeah. nothing to see. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, kids. Yeah, I think point. kids. That's that's a lot of money <laughs> on something that's a bit shit. Well, it's true, and there's a, there is when you when you add up the things you buy that just on a whim or that they want for on a whim, and then they don't yeah. play with at all. Yep. Although yeah. I did this, you know, you get the sticker books. So you get sticker books with football and things like that. I mean, yeah. it was when Batman, I think it was one of the Batman films came out, and I got them the sticker book. But um, I, 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 when I was a kid, I used to fantasize about having a whole box of stickers and just spending a day just putting the stickers in. And so I went off, and, I'm, and I know someone, I knew someone working in a newsagent. So I went, Oh, have you got any? He went, Yeah. And he, and he gave me a whole box, and I took them home to the lads. I'm like, There you go, boys. And I was talking to my son recently. I said, Do you remember that sticker book? He went, Yeah, yeah. He goes, You sort of ruined it, Dad. Because <laughs> you're supposed to go to school and do swapsies and things like that. It's quite an adventure. He goes, You came in, plop, and ruined it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there we are. But you're, you've got how old are yours now? Four and coming up to two. Four and two. Oh, yeah. You've got so much hell in front of I you. I know. <laughs> Mine are 22 and 27. Yeah. There, I am out of the woods, man. They have to look after themselves now. Yeah, and she she bought a magazine the other day, just the last minute, and it was it had in it had like a one pack of those Pokemon cards. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So it's just, and she didn't understand what they were, thank God. So I'll just chuck them away. But <laughs> but she was she, she tried to play a game. You know, there's three cards, and she tried to play a game with them, and then go. Oh, I think they probably want us to buy some more of those. I know. What, yeah. This is it. <laughs> when you try and yeah, I know what you mean. When you try, I, have you, when you have, who's got kids, give me a cheer. When you wanna when they when they yeah, that's not really it. That wasn't really like yeah, love yeah. it. That was uh, like. Yeah, messed my life up. Yeah. It's the same reaction you say, who's on heroin? They go, yeah, messed my life up. <laughs> but when, you, when you're sitting and they want to play a game, but they, they're making the game up as they go along. Yeah. And you're just sat there with the three cards. And they go, oh, now the rules are this. And then you go, okay. And they go, no, no, not like that, Daddy. And you're like, go away. <laughs> yeah, good luck. They're idiots. Thanks very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> give a massive round of applause. Rich Wilson, I don't believe it. Rich Wilson. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's terrific. We have another guest in a second. I will just uh, remind you that uh, if you don't know, if you've got a free program at the beginning here in the theatre, that's a gift from me to you. I'm making a collection for scope after the show. Hopefully the, the ushers will have some buckets. If they don't, uh, there'll probably be a bucket on my table where I sit in the foyer. If there isn't, just you could give me the money and I'll put it in a pile and put it in the bucket for you later. All the money's going to scope, which is a brilliant charity that helps people with cerebral palsy who's trying to get equal rights and access for disabled people. Don't have to give anything, though. It's just a, a voluntary thing if you feel like uh, doing so. So that'd be lovely. And I will be in the foyer after the show. I'm very happy to sign your programmes, do selfies, say hello. Uh, and I'm also selling uh, emergency questions books. I've got the new emergency questions book. We're selling the last few of those at a knockdown price. I've got the old emergency questions book. Uh, that's a smaller one that'll fit in your handbag. And we've got some uh, Rahalastapa. <laughs> Weak stickers. 
Uh, if you buy both books, you get the stickers for free, or you can just buy the stickers. Uh, but you don't have to buy anything. Come and say hello if you would like to. You can, if you're at home, you can buy those books online as well at GoFasterStripe.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> My second guest today. Let's see what she's best known for. I've forgotten what she's best known for. <laughs> <laughs> She's been on before, so I've tried to do a different one than before. She is best known for, obviously, I mean, I don't need to tell you. Oh, yes, a good one. She's best known for her appearance on Quote Unquote on Radio 4 on the 21st of September 2015. That's what we are only going to be talking about. Will you please welcome Sarah Kendall, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Kendall. Quote Unquote. Sit down, have a look at my microphone. Thanks. That's good. Do you remember being on quote unquote? I do. I remember it. It was uh, it was at the radio theatre. Yeah, it's in, nice. Uh, yeah. And was it um, Miles uh, Kingston? Was it him doing it? Is that his name? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, there was. Um, I tell you, I tell you what was very memorable from that. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Front's dad. Yeah. Was in the front row. Right. Sketching away. Wow. And you know he did. Rubber Soul. I do. He did. He he, he drew Rubber Soul the album. He did. I know. And I just <laughs> thought there was like just some strange guy at the front sketching, yeah. and I um, kind of made like a snippy, dumb remark, and then everyone was like, "That's actually that's my dad. That's a legend." Yeah, that's how I warm up a room. <laughs> I go after people's parents who are living legends. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. It was a, it was a great. Show. You were brilliant on. Thank I, you. Thanks. I really. I think I did it twice, quote unquote. But I found it so annoying. I yeah. don't think I'd do it. It's a very twee show. It is. And, uh, it's but it's, it's something, I must say, as, as an Australian, it is just so uniquely British. Yeah. It's a really, like, in Australia, you'd never have a show like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, because it's... That's why Australia's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why Australia's unreal. Because yeah. we're not into words and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'd love to talk to you about that for uh, the full half hour. <laughs> so I'm going to. Uh, let's see if we can squeeze another 25 minutes out of it. Uh, it's lovely to have you here. You've done the, you've done the London show before. You've done the Edinburgh show before. We used to share... It was. I was saying backstage, it's my golden period of the Edinburgh Fringes, yeah. the three or four years that yeah, you, me, and Lucy Porter, and Justin, yeah. and, and, your, and your husband, and before yeah. we were all married before, to each other. Yes, before, uh, and there were any babies on the scene. Yeah. We just uh, lived in our pyjamas during the day, drank too much at night, yeah. thought we were tired. We actually, <laughs> I remember at the time going, oh, mate, I am tired. <laughs> Having no idea what it was like to do shows yeah. and look after two children all day. Yeah. Yeah, but that was fun. Yeah. And you had that disgusting blue robe. Do you remember you wore that that dressing yeah. gown? Thank you. That was stiff. I mean, I wouldn't say it was disgusting. It was stiff with bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. Would. And it was other people's bodily fluids. That's, that's the thing. I remember us doing. We tried. We tried to recreate Dirty Dancing in quite a small kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. So you had. And we you ne- dropped me on. Yeah. The f- well, we nearly broke each other's backs. Yeah, I got dropped on a doorknob. <laughs> You dropped me on a doorknob, <laughs> and I was so drunk, I sprang to life, <laughs> and then the next day there was just this dinner plate, <laughs> puce-coloured dinner plate on my, uh, on, on my hip. What fun we had. We should have done, that should have been the show, shouldn't it? Yeah. That should have been the Look how electrified, look how electrified they are. <laughs> <laughs> Our stories of drunk people without children. I mean, they're loving it. It's, yeah, great. So tell me about this year. You've been doing like all oh, storytelling and stuff, right? Yeah, my storytelling and stuff. Telling stories. I do my storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you do this year's show is called Paper Planes. It is. Yeah. Uh, which I think, like most people, you, you know, you do the title first yeah. and then work backwards. Okay. I don't think anybody has got the show written in December and no. then names it in January. Mm. Uh, so yes, uh, I just thought Paper Planes was kind of cool. I knew I'd sort of be uh, circling around aeroplanes and aviation and. I knew that was going to be some sort of yeah. uh, theme or motif through the show. So you've worked out where the best place, or you've been discussed the best place to sit in a plane. If, I if do talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, how do you know about that? Well, because I've researched my subjects very thoroughly. You have? Have you, you seen my show? No. <laughs> I've seen one person's show before the interview, which is Bryony Kimmings. Right. And that was really good, so I'm not going to go and see anyone else's <laughs> shows. Because I'll have to go, it wasn't as good as Bryony Kimmings, mate. Yeah, so, which is probably what would happen. Probably what would Also happen. because you've built up an immunity to me over the years. <laughs> yeah, there'd be nothing that I could do or say where you went, that really blew my mind. You know all my tricks. Like, all I would do is you go, yeah, it's just another one of your shows. That's <laughs> another one of your just talking about stuff. Is that hair? There's a hair that it ca- cannot be attached. 
Is it coming out my eye? It's coming, yeah, there you go. Thank so you. it's driving me, it's driving me crazy. There you go. <laughs> it's the light coming, the yeah, ethereal it did, light. It really caught the so light. So where is the best place to sit in a plane in the event of a plane crash? Uh, the rear part of the plane, uh, five rows or less from the nearest exit, uh, reason being that often it's not the crash uh, that, that, that kills people. It's not getting out of the crashed plane in time after the crash and people choking on the noxious fumes. Oh, okay. So if you're five rows or less from the nearest exit, it means that you can get out before the crush of humans Right. of everyone trying to get off the airplane. Also, uh, the risk of the aviation gas combusting. Yeah. You know, so you've got, you've got a window of about 90 seconds okay. on yeah. average after a crash plane before you start to kind of get the after effects of the crash. Right. So 90 seconds, so five rows or less. See, I'm not a nervous flyer, guys. <laughs> don't most of the planes flyer. just sort of blow up? No, they don't. Okay. No, they don't, not necessarily. Okay. No. Air crash investigation is what... Um, uh, bullseye was to us when we lived together. Yeah, that's my new bullseye. Is that's, it? that's my new. Well, fixation. we've got Susan Murray on later in the week, who's doing a whole show about this. She is. She came to my show last Don't night, she, yeah. and uh, she, uh, yeah, uh, it's. Uh, it's We'll talk more horrendous stories of plane crashes later. Have you ever been in any situation where the planes... No, no. Um, and I've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of aviation in my family. My grandfather was a fighter pilot and my dad flew planes. And right. I spent a lot of my childhood sort of at air shows. Don't go to air shows. Who goes to air shows? They're deadly. <laughs> they, are. they are deadly. Yeah. Um, but yes, so... And, and my, my parents, like... Um, they, they sort of, they'll see a plane go and go, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a DC-10. Like, they just, they just, it's just part of the sort of, uh, the, the lexicon of, yeah. of, of language in my family. So is that nervousness, what's that, is that come from just, I mean, it's, it's a weird, I think when you get in a plane with your, my family now, you kind of think this is, could be the whole lot of us gone in, in, yeah. I, yeah, in one I, moment. I'll tell you what it was. Uh, I, uh, when I had my second uh, child, I went a little bit bananas. Okay. Uh, and I started worrying about, when you read things like, did you know that London's only got enough food for six days in the event? Like, and then, like, I found the responsibility of having kids, that frightened me so much. I was like, what am, what am I gonna do? Like, I gotta, I, gotta think, I gotta think about someone other than myself. Yeah. And then I started reading all these <laughs> urban survival manuals, <laughs> and I just went, I just went a bit, I went a bit nuts. Yeah. And I put away all these stores of dried food and, uh, <laughs> No. Could be and useful when Brexit happens, though, Sarah. You've still got them. I know. We were, I mean, you're laughing now, <laughs> but and uh, and I had a backpack with uh, like um, uh, antibiotics and and wow. paracetamol and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now my theory is, if anything like that happens, you're better off just dying in the first wave of people. Yeah. Having seen. Film, sorry, look, I mean, I'm not here to make... This, this not, it's not a, a feel-good good show. It's not, no, it's not happening. Yeah, but, you know, when you see movies like The Road or, yeah. or read the book, if you're British, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you sort of go, oh, like, you're just better off getting killed in the first wave. Yeah. Like, the worst thing, you, you don't want to survive a nuclear bar blast. You want to be taken out in yeah. the first batch. Or just a really long way away. A like long that, way away. I would prefer that. I'd be, I'd be like yeah. in another country to where the nuclear blast is happening. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I get that too. <laughs> Rather than being in the middle of it. That's what, if I have a choice, <laughs> I'd say, no, let's go right in the middle. If you go right in the middle, you're all right, aren't you? Yeah. You don't get hit if you're right in the middle. There's a bubble <gasps> around you. But there's a, there's a, yeah, that's exactly how it works, Richard. Yeah. I, you should have spoken to me when I lost my mind. Yeah. I also had a, a leather man, like I got, had like a knife with all these different, like right. I went completely bonkers yeah. thinking I have got to keep my children alive in the event of a, of a disaster. Like yeah. I was just, it just all, the, the, the responsibilities completely overwhelm me. Yeah, it's difficult, know. isn't it? It does, I mean, it's a, it does drive you nuts. Yeah, totally. Time. Yeah, when you sort people of don't talk. Brian's brilliant show was about how going. No, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I hate hearing about how good other people's shows are. I loathe it. Like, I'd rather go and see a really shit show yeah. and feel good about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather see a dreadful hour so I could be smug and go, my show shits all over this, <laughs> than go and see something genuinely brilliant and just yeah. go, oh great. Yeah. Oh, great. Now I have to raise my game further. Exactly. To compete with this. There's yeah. a story. There's uh, one of my... Uh, I got really fascinated by this. This guy who um, survived the blast in Hiroshima. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know this story. It's unbelievable. Apparently there's uh, s about six people who this happened to. So this guy's working... Um, I think he's working for Mitsubishi. And he was in Hiroshima. And all he knew was that there was this blinding flash of light. And then complete darkness and his skin was practically... No, they, no one had the language for what a nuclear bomb was. Anyway, so uh, he survives it and he's like, I've got to get back to my family, you know, like... So he gets on the train, goes back to his family in Nagasaki. <laughs> gets to Nagasaki and everyone's going, 
mate, what happened to you? He's going, I don't know, there was a flash of light and then, uh, and then everything was on fire and the sky went dark and they were like, this guy's crazy. And then he sees the flash of light again and he thought it had followed him. Yeah. Like he, he just, and he survived both blasts yeah. and then went on to, he became, I think he became a poet or something. And he, he went around doing a, a sort of... Um, Spider-Man, I think he was. I think he became Spider-Man. That's, yeah. So he had to harness his powers for good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's unlucky. And that sort of ha- that's the kind of thing that happens every now and again. People are caught up in another terrorist atrocity or another shooting, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like, sort of feel, oh, it must be, must be, that must be something about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved his story. I mean, it was just an amazing story. And yeah. not only that, uh, in the aftermath of, of the, you know, the, it, he, he should, he really should have died from radiation poisoning. Yeah. And then he just got better. Like, for Is six it like th- when you get banged on the head and lose your memory if it happens twice you're all right yes that's, that's yeah, it reverses <laughs> the bang <laughs> yes so the best prescription skin went back on again yeah if only they'd known in chernobyl <laughs> yeah just do uh, another one do another meltdown did you did you <laughs> oh, i'm glad did we're laughing the most out of everyone so that's why that's why that's why that's why i like I'm niche. you and i have a very very peculiar <laughs> sense we should never do this <laughs> You are the worst person <laughs> to, to do any public discussion with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you watch Chernobyl? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah. I've kind of. I'm, I've, start, I've started getting the point watching anything yeah. that I can't bear. Like I watch The Walking Dead, and yeah. all I want to happen is for them to be fine and create a new society, and just watch that. Oh. I want the zombies to be wiped out and just to see them living in the city going, oh, phew, we destroyed it. And everything to go well. So even yeah. with fiction, yes. I kind of did. I was watching Stranger Things. I watched, just watched the first series of Stranger Things. I'm a little behind. And I just want it to be finished so it's all right. I don't want the... Yeah. I don't want... Yeah. And, and so I kind of can't stand watching real life stuff where I know there's no... Right. There's no way Chernobyl's turning out well, is It's there? no, no. There's no respite. <laughs> yeah, you don't sort of get to the end of episode two and go, this is probably going to yeah. Unless the last five episodes are just showing the beautiful way that nature has <laughs> taken over the city. <laughs> don't Google that. <laughs> <And they're> just... <laughs> don't Google. No. Yeah, no. no. So, yeah. But that, that thing of, you know, you're talking, I think again in your show you're talking about that idea of uh, global warming and the way the world's going and... Should we be having kids and how do you raise kids? Is what you're saying. But yeah. humanity's been through much worse stuff. That's this, exactly. And uh, there is the hubris of going, well, looks like we're the last people ever. Like, I do think that there is that. You know, I remember yeah. Yeah, just reading it. There was just a, a, a World War II story and someone was describing, you know, the sky was on fire, the buildings were on fire, every, you know, everyone's dead. You would think that that's Armageddon. You yeah. would kind of go, well, this is the end of us as people, yeah. and it, 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 people kept going. Yeah, you know, but so. you know, like even like living in, I just think of the people living on the savannah in, you know, 70,000 yeah. years ago in Africa, who yeah. would just, you know, everyone would be, a few of you would get through to adulthood, and a few yeah. of you would have kids, and a few of those kids yeah. would survive childhood. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, what we have mm. now, compared to that, where you just will live a horrible life where you might survive and then you die, you cut your leg and you die a horrific death. Yeah. We now live in a, a much, you know, in what, yeah. imagine, I mean, I'm saying, imagine the world where you showed Bubble Man to those people, first of all. Oh, and look. so they go, look, they go, wow, he is good. But then they go, fuck, how does he make it, how does he get in by? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that guy feeding his family off this? That would be their first question. Can he feed his truck? You know, the, the level of life we have and, the, and to survive all those things. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, in, I sort of often think about all those people who, who given their life, you know, lived horrible, horrible, horrible lives in yes. order for us to have quite nice lives for the last hundred years yeah. of humanity and then we all die. Yeah, and then we're super miserable on top of it. Yeah. Like, that's what I find is just <laughs> the, the cruelest irony is that we do have this incredible survival rate and we are just the most miserable versions of ourselves that have a... I had this uh, medical incident uh, called a, a pylonidal sinus. Mm. Have I discussed this I with you? I think we might, but let's do it. It is good. So it's a great, it's a great butthole story. It is. I love buttholes. At, a, at an infected boil above my butt crack, and um, it's like really rare, like super rare. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor was stunned. He said, "I've only ever seen this in very hairy men." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Thank you." Uh, so it's pretty, pretty rare, pretty rare on a chick. And, uh, 
and then, uh, so what it is, uh, so a sinus is any opening on the body, uh, and it's a tiny sinus over my coccyx mm. that never, the skin never formed properly, and then like uh, it got infected and it blew up to the size of my fist, and uh, he had to lance it. And he said, uh, and, and you know, I was on antibiotics and stuff, and he said, like, a hundred years ago, this just would have killed you. Like, yeah. imagine that just being the way you were just going about <laughs> your life, yeah. doing your shit, just being yourself, and then you got a boil on your butthole and died. Yeah. And that, that was the end of your story. <laughs> happened a lot. Would've it happened, happened a lot, happened a lot. Richard, yeah. so we're blessed. We are very lucky. <laughs> you know, and we're lucky to be in the position where losing kids would seem like a, a, a terrible, terrible, uh, unlucky right. thing to happen. As opposed to, you to have 15 yeah. on the understanding that three will survive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that used to be the kind of the yeah. math. Yeah. They must have not... How did they get through? They must have just... Do you think people in the Victorian times loved their kids as much as we love our kids? Nah. Or do you think, nah, just didn't care? Nah. <laughs> their kids weren't as good as ours. No, I think ours are bad. Ours are hilarious. Be, they're cute, they're funny, they ask for stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I, um, I do. I, but I do kind of think, how, like, a lot of what my show is about is how do you deal with how much information we deal with? Because our brains are so hungry for it. We're so geared to, to latch on. And when my brain malfunctions, it's over things like aviation safety or the six-day survival thing where my brain goes, all right, well, how do I gain this? How do I take that piece of information and do something constructive with it? The thing is, we're, being, we're drowning in information. Yeah. It's impossible to separate. You know, that's, that's, the, uh, that's for me my struggle, is that yeah. I really struggle to separate and prioritise and understand what the genuine threat is. Sure, and I think maybe as a comedian as well, you are, you know, that's what, how comedians work, is we have to think, th we think about things, and we have to think things yeah. through, yeah. and that's the job, and so yeah. when you're getting that much information and some of it's bad, yeah. you're, you're doing the same thing you do in creating something yeah. that's hopefully funny. But also, so, yeah. I think that that's part of, like, I hate to, like, you know, and I've, it certainly just occurred to me, but I think that I know that's part of what makes my shows funny, yeah. so maybe I dive into it super enthusiastically and go, I'm just going to drive myself nuts and see what happens. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself beyond doing something that cynical. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which but is I think you do, but, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to, you know, as a comedian, you're finding something. You don't know what it's going to be before you do it. No. I, clean, I, I take stones off my local field and trying to clear them to the edge and I'm making a sort of lifelong Why do you podcast do that? about that. Well, because to try and create some order, also just to be making myself useful. Yeah. Are you depressed? Uh, no. That sounds like a depressed thing. I know, but I don't think I, I think it's, well, it's making me not depressed because at least my life has some meaning now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. I mean, it's about moving away and, yeah, and, and, and understanding my, the fragility of life and the fact that as you get older, you don't really have a much of a purpose. I'm trying to give myself a purpose. Yeah, you've got to have uh, a purpose. But also, you, that's an idea I've thrown myself into, which yeah. uh, at times I've thought, I mean, I am really doing this, so uh, and I'm doing this when I'm not talking, when I'm not recording it. So I, and I was doing it before, I yes. still had the idea of doing comedy about it. Yeah. So I am mentally ill. Yeah. 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 If, you were if you were recording it, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's not recorded, yeah. that's you're trying to find, but you're trying to find that. You're and, and as a comedian, I think you have that thing where something bad happens, and a little bit of you's going, oh, this is bad, but most of you are going, this is brilliant. Yeah. This is, this is next year's show. I've got some depth. Yeah. Yeah. This is a thing. I do though, I mean, I, I do think, you know, you, you, you also sort of get to an age, and it's certainly a sort of middle-age crisis, middle, midlife crisis, where you're like, shit, what is the point of this? Because you spend so much of your life just partying and having fun, and yeah. then it all becomes quite serious. And then you kind of go, oh, I, I, what, it, what am I actually doing? <laughs> like, it, it never occurred to me to question that in my 20s or my 30s. Yeah. And then you do start going, all right, this, I've got I've to make this count. Yeah. I don't know, and how do I make this count? And it doesn't, in the, in the no, it doesn't. Grand, grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. No. The stones will always be there, that's yeah. the thing, Sarah. So what I'm doing yeah. is transcending anything you're doing, your puny ideas that will yeah. be here for right. 20, yes. 10, 20 years maximum. Oh, yeah, look, you My collecting stones, stones. you collecting stones, stones craps yeah. on... Yeah, those stones will be there in a thousand years' time. No. So that means... Will they? Yeah. Do you also... Although, to be fair, the cans have made it sort of falling down a bit already, but... I don't quite understand what you're talking about, but I'm not no. interested enough <laughs> to ask. Okay. Like, I don't want more details about this incredibly boring thing you're doing. Um, but I also think there's a thing that you can't impart a meaningless existence to your children. You've got to put yeah. together a better story for them. You can't, you can't, like, look your kid in the eye and go, yeah, this is a, just a fucking monumental waste of time. Yeah. You can't do that to a child. So you've got to find some meaning so that then you can impart something. That's true. 
I think that that's a responsibility, it is. along I'm with stockpiling antibiotics yeah, yeah. and knives. And, you know, we're very lucky to be here at all. We're very lucky to be here now, regardless of whatever else is. It's a good time. It's a great it's a time. time to be alive, and it's yeah. impossible to be alive. It's so impossible to be alive, I don't believe any of us are alive. Wow, where are you going with that? <laughs> just think about it. Logically, the, the, the odds of you being here, even just like from when you were born. As of all the, of all the sperm, of all the, the billions sperm, of sperm. All the chances of everyone, everyone surviving long enough to procreate. Yeah. The planet Earth having the conditions for life yep. without being hit by asteroids recently yeah. enough. Is Possibly. this all your way of saying that it's a miracle that you and I know each other? It's a, it is a kind of miracle that we've met. That we found each yeah. other. <laughs> that we should be together forever. And we, we could be, be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we should sit in thrones. Should have sex with me? Yeah. Let's do it now in front of these people. <laughs> I have consent. Someone just walked out on that. Yeah, we just had our first walk out. <laughs> and we offered some, to, to... Some things are just too horrible to envisage. Tell me about your... You've got a sky... <laughs> I, th- I was thinking of myself being involved, oh, okay. obviously. I took that I'd love personal. to watch you making love with someone else. <laughs> But I wouldn't want me in there spoiling no. the beauty of that. Do you ever do that when you're talking to someone and imagine them wanking? Like, you're just talking to... Well, I do now. Yeah. I do it all the time. I, pretty much everyone I've ever known, I've looked at them <laughs> and imagined them going at it. And then it makes me feel sick. I can't, can't fucking look at them. I'm like, oh, that is just... The, that is the pits. Just one of those desperate wanks in the bathroom. <laughs> just go, you got 15 minutes. Oh, just rub one out. No one knows yeah. I'm here. Yeah. yeah, it's a horrible. Humans are horrible. Oh, it's, ex- it's awful. Yeah. I think masturbation <laughs> is just an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do realise <laughs> that some like people would have been masturbating when like atomic bombs went off. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's a thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I want to go. Yeah. That's where I'm going to find out whether the top bomb's going to fall and I'm going to try and wank it so the bomb lands on my cock as I'm coming. <laughs> um, that's yeah. the only way I'm prepared to die in a nuclear <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a chance if you manage that, you would become God of a new universe. You would, yeah, that's how you it works. You, yeah. And the sperm would go yeah. into the explosion, create. That's yeah. where we came from. That's that's what Scientology is based on. <laughs> that's that's the story of how Xenu took over the all the atomic bombs went into a volcano <laughs> and they landed on his penis. Yeah, and uh, that's why he runs the galaxy. It could work. It's worth a try. <laughs> it's worth a try. Yeah. Although I have to have to time it that precisely. You have to time uh, it. Yeah. Shit, you'd have to time it. I mean, that's a challenge right there. <laughs> so much fun now. I was so bored for the first 15 minutes. And I thought, where's this going? We're not going to get anything out of this. I'm genuinely enjoying myself now. That's, oh, what, I love about, that's what I love about us. Yeah. <laughs> we always get there eventually. <laughs> we, do. Yeah. we do. Tell me, we've got uh, seven more minutes. Tell me about your Sky One new drama Frayed. It's about masturbating Is into it? a bomb. Yeah. Um, that could be next time. We can write yeah. that together. <laughs> we've got a lot of great film ideas that we've got to get around to eventually. But let's talk about Frayed. Yeah, this one, uh, <laughs> this one is set in the 1980s and it's about a, a woman who's living in London and she's very, very wealthy and uh, her husband dies uh, in an incident with a prostitute okay. and uh, she finds out they're completely broke. And then it turns out she's not who she's pretending to she okay. she is, and so she has is to it move. Based on your real life, it's story. totally what happened. Henry is dead, and yeah. he died in an incident with a prostitute. Oh no! Yeah, I know. Yeah. I shouldn't have broken in the nineteen eighties. In the well. eighties, <laughs> yeah, which is weird. It's a bit of a yeah. Um, but no, I, you know, the reason why is just I, I kind of um, like I live in southwest London, and uh, there are just some terribly posh mums that you know you just go, what's going on with you? There's some there's yeah. there's some. There's a story there. You're just a little too... This is all just a bit finessed. And I just love taking the idea of someone doing that and just being like a skank yeah. who's just completely reconstructed themselves. And so that's sort of what the, my character is. You know, like yeah. I'm from this shitty backwater in Australia and I just came to London and reinvented myself. So I land back in my shitty backwater with my airs and graces and my two kids. Great. It sounds very good. Is that starting pretty soon? It starts very soon. It starts uh, in September... 
and uh, I had to do a sex scene. Right. Because I wrote it thinking yeah. it would never get made. You know, right. you write things yeah. on the understanding no one will ever finance this. Yeah. Is it you wanky? Yeah. 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 No, not no, with Robert Webb. I did great. I got, I got to grab his, uh, his crotch, though. Okay, I, did, nice. I did get to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it was with a... Because I wrote this scene. It was like a really uncomfortable car sex scene. Right. And uh, on the day of filming, I just sort of thought, what have I done? Yeah. What have I bloody done? Now I've got to do a, a sex scene. But yeah. I did that. My, my thing, I had to do that. I quite liked it, though. What was your sex scene? I had sex with someone against the... Tr- uh, well, it was loads. It was just... Uh, I suddenly... I, I was going out with the actress who was playing my girlfriend by the time I did, uh, the, right. by the time we did the sex scenes. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was kind of all, it was all right. Was uh, it funny though? Uh, yeah, yeah, but because I think it's you know I I'd never had sex against a tree. No. And I didn't couldn't even really and then my character also couldn't work out how you would do it, but I don't really know how you would do it. So. No. Well, you'd have to have strong upper body yeah, strength. Yeah, which I don't have. You do not. No. I mean, so. you're very weak <laughs> in the arms. Yeah. Well, maybe so. you could do it in a different... You don't have to face each... Uh, you know. That's true. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. I, I mean, we can talk about... Let's yeah. just talk about that. Yeah. But, so this, but do you know what was terrible? The sex scene in the car was that... Um, uh, like, it's meant to be funny and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, every time you watch it in, in the screen, you're like... Oh, that's disgusting. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. It's not funny. It's, yeah. It just looks a bit... Ugh. <laughs> and I is that just you, though, or is that... Or is that Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, might have a, yeah. I might have a bad sex head. Yeah. And I've only just found out through filming my own TV show okay. and doing a, a sex scene going, is that what I... Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it and I'll, let you, I'll, I'll text you and let you know well, how head, sexy it my is. My head's bashing okay. against a, a thing. Like, that's the whole... You know. If I get aroused, will I text you and say, yeah, totally. I've got, I fully got... Yeah, I'm absolutely. Fully aroused. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm, I'm wanking now. Yeah. Watching it. Yeah, do that. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, that w- it would mean the world to me. Because uh, I know you're pretty picky. About, yeah. About what you will and won't masturbate to. Yeah. So if I make it into like the top 80 things that you would jerk off to, that would just, I mean, what an honour. This has been my favourite interview. So no. <laughs> what every one of these should be. Yeah. Uh, every single one. Tell us about your show and where it's on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Paper planes. It doesn't matter. Okay. No, no, no one will come and see my show after this no. shit pit of an interview. <laughs> I'm not going to sell a single fucking ticket. <laughs> Go see Bryony Kimmings. It's like, it's the same. It's a woman d- talking oh. about stuff. It's the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's true. Basically the yeah. same. We've all when um what we do is we get a bullet point sheet, an A4 bullet point yeah. sheet yeah. of topics to talk about. Yeah. And you get to choose seven. <laughs> and then you build your what's her show about? Her show is about uh postnatal depression, uh moving out into the it's a, it's a, oh, it's so hard to describe. It's it's, it's just uh, incredible. It's really incredible. Yeah. Um it's like but it's not, it's you know, it's performance art. I mean that, that's sort of it. It's an interesting way you've moved across a genre. You're still doing comedy, but you're doing yeah. storytelling. Yeah. Like, you've had very good reviews, but I saw one review of yours. Do you read your reviews? No, but go but on. But, like, t- picking out going, like, going, it's story. The thing is, is it comedy? Is it storytelling? Mm. You go, it's both. Go, it's not, the bit, some bits aren't funny. You go, yeah, that's yeah, the that's storytelling bits. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't so, just, yeah, yeah. So, you've got that, you know, so, but the, yeah. uh, the, the proper reviews have been very good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, happens. But, but that's but the, you know it's. I mean, it's, it's storytelling and comedy is, is sort of the same thing anyway. Comedy is storytelling. I don't think it matters. I just yeah. think a show's either good or it isn't. Yeah. Like I'll fucking watch anything. Like, but if it's good and I'm gripped and the person knows what they're doing, that's what I want. Yeah. I don't kind of go, oh, <coughs> what genre is this? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's either fucking good or it isn't. That's yeah. how that's how entertainment works. And you've won some awards. You're doing all right. I've won a bunch of awards, but, but and I'm going to list them now. Yeah. <laughs> You're on Radio Four. And they're the big ones. I mean, not like the stupid ones. <laughs> that you've been nominated for. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I had something else to say then. I was Go getting, on, what I was getting, getting quite up on my high horse about that. You've got uh, minus 30 seconds. They haven't flashed a light at me yet, but they're about what was, to. What was the publication? That the, this I think Fest. I mean, it was the one where you got... You've had, <laughs> yeah. I've seen all four-star reviews. Yeah. 
but Fest was 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 a three star review because oh, that's okay because um, it wasn't. I, I just when they when it's it's because it didn't um, it wasn't what they're anticipating from a show that was comedy storytelling. They thought it should be funnier than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we have to wrap it up there. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to the fantastic Sarah Kendall. She's not... Too many stories, not funny enough. You have been listening to Rahulastapa at the end of Fringe with me, Richard Herring. Thank you to Pest for providing the music. Thank you to everyone at the Newtown Theatre and The Stand and everyone at gofasterstripe.com. Producer is James Hingley. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Go to rahalastapa.co.uk to find out more. RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out who my guests are for the rest of the run.